reviews have been really good and um yeah so that makes that makes it all worthwhile and a lot of people have rebooked to come back before they've left so that's also you know that reinforces the fact that we're doing something right for the people that are coming so there's a smaller number of people who want adults only and pet free but once you find those people then they're the people who are repeat booking because what they want to be able to do is come and sit in ultimate peace and quiet and you can't do that with pigs and barking dogs. I know you can't be perfect for your opening but I feel like you need to be comfortable that you've got everything pretty much the way you want it because the last thing you want is a bad review when you start because then you're trying to push that snowball uphill trying to get good reviews and once there's a bad one out there it's difficult to get rid of it. Hello and welcome to the Glamper Tech podcast. Today we've got a returning guest in Mirag Salabanks of Brave View Glamping. She was our guest in episode three, so very early on, and when we spoke to her, she was waiting for the weather to pick up so she could get the groundworks underway for the electricity on her site. She's come a long way from then, I think it was just over six months ago that we interviewed her. Uh, and now her site, Brave View Glamping, is up and running. She's, uh, she's taking guests and it's been really successful. She told us before the mics went on that she's had a, an 80 to 85% occupancy rate so far, which is just brilliant for a new site. Um, obviously, we're in, in peak season and uh, staycations are still all the rage with COVID going on, but it's still a really good um, occupancy rate for, for a new site. Um, and a lot of that, I think, is down to the to the marketing efforts that she put in early on. Uh, we've spoken to Callum on here before about the importance of, of marketing before he starts up and running. So you can really get off to a good start like Marag has and like Callum did with NC500 Pods. So last time that we spoke to her, uh, we spoke about the, the mistakes she made when setting up, but also the good things she's done. And today it was good to get a chance to catch up to see whether her perspectives change at all. Um, whether she'd do anything differently from the time that we last spoke to her to now and yeah to see how just see how it's going on really and, and it should provide some some insight into the process that goes into um, setting up a glamping site it's not always straightforward but once you get there the rewards can be great um, and it does go to show you know glamping's not for everyone but if it is right for you uh, if you do take the plunge it can be really rewarding so yeah it was great to catch up with Mreg today um, she's done really well and as ever, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and that you find it valuable. Hello again, Mareg, how are you doing? I'm fine, thanks, Nick. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. So uh, last time you were on, uh, it was a long time ago. It certainly seems a long time ago. I bet it does for you. Um, yeah. You were waiting to get the diggers in to get your electricity sorted on your site. Um, yeah. Now, I believe I'm right in saying you're a fully-fledged glamping site owner and that your site, Bravery Glamping, is now open to the public. Yeah, um, we opened bookings on the 17th of May and we were fully booked the next weekend for the bank holiday weekend. So, and it's been pretty steady since then. So it's good. Not a bad start. Um, so yeah. obviously, you know, you're waiting for your, for the diggers to come in, sort the electricity. Uh, mm -hmm. Presumably there are a few steps you have to take in between that, that stage and to opening up fully. Uh, what sort of yeah. steps steps were they? Um, so we uh, we were waiting for the diggers because the ground had been so wet. Um, we were waiting to dig trenches to put the electricity cables in and the uh, Wi-Fi cables um, and the water. Um, so that's what we needed the diggers to do. So we put, uh, opened those trenches. Uh, we pulled all the cables ourselves. 
Um, so the electrician had told us what to get. So we pulled all the cables ourselves, which was quite a big job. Um, obviously lined all the trenches with everything that the council had asked for in the building warrant and stuff. And then, um, yeah, just basically buried all our money because <laughs> that's how it feels like. All your investment feels like it goes in the ground. Um, and then, yeah, laid the paths. Um, we did that all out. So we had a contractor who um, rented us um, like the whacker for doing the doing the paths and stuff. So we did all that ourselves um, planted some grass seed. Then we were pretty, got it all hooked up and we we're pretty much ready to go. Was there anything, any part of that that was particularly challenging? Um, we were, ex having been so unlucky with the weather, we were exceptionally lucky with the weather in um, March and April, which really let us get on. In fact, by the end of April, it was so dry when we, having been from so wet that we couldn't work, um, actually the grass seed really struggled to get. We had like basically just like soil for ages because the grass seed took ages to get established. So we kind of held off opening until everything was not not perfect because obviously it's not perfect now, but until it looked acceptable in photographs because what we didn't want was people coming and thinking it looked like a building site. Um, and then those photos go out on social media and you can't take them back. Mm -hmm. So we probably, because restrictions were opened on the 26th of April, we probably could have been open a couple of weeks earlier, but we just thought we've waited this long. Let's just um, wait until wait until it's right. So it was it was a bit frustrating having to wait, but it was the right thing to do. Yeah, and, and you say you opened up in uh, you opened your bookings up in May. Uh, who was yeah. your first booking? Was it someone that you knew, or was it a complete stranger? No, complete stranger. Oh, so wow. our first our first weekend that we were open, we didn't know anybody who came to stay. They were all complete strangers. And how does it feel taking so, that first booking? Yeah, it was really good. It's really nerve wracking though, mm. as well. Um, so we had when restrictions lifted at the end of April, we did have some uh, friends of friends who came and so we did like a trial weekend. Um, and it was really good. We got really good feedback from them about really simple stuff, like nothing that like, I don't know, having a long sweeping brush instead of a dustpan and brush to encourage people to sweep up before they leave and put in uh, hangers on the back of the bathroom doors for towels and having a mirror for shaving in the bathroom, just like really little things. Um, so those weekends had that weekend had gone all right. But if other people do that, I would definitely encourage you to get people who A, are into glamping. So there's no point in getting someone who likes to stay at Glen Eagles and is going to compare it to a five-star hotel. Um, and to make sure you get people who will give you constructive criticism because there's no point in having people who are just going to tell you it's amazing and not tell you what you need to do. <laughs> That's not something that we've really discussed so far. Um, so was it just friends and family that that um, that you invited? Yeah, um, and yeah. So, well, we had we had my in-laws, and obviously they just said everything was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but then we had some friends who are used to being away in that kind of accommodation, so they were able to give us really constructive constructive feedback. And as I say, there was nothing. There was nothing major. There was nothing that cost us, you know, probably more than 30 or 40 quid in each pod. But it was, it's the thing that a lot of people say to us when they leave, you've thought of everything. Mm. 
So, and I think that kind of soft opening with those people gave us that opportunity to get that feedback because everyone told us the things that we had that we hadn't thought about. Yeah, it's really interesting. That's something that I think um, prospective site owners could take away that just just yeah. before they open up, um, you know, it might be worth inviting people down to give you some feedback because, as you say, that can make the the, the difference. You know, when when guests yeah. say they thought of everything, that that can be the reason why. Um, yeah. did, did you have anything um, planned for welcoming the first guest? Like, how did how did you welcome them? Um, we've got like a we've got like a chalkboard um, that we um, that we use for writing messages to guests and stuff on. So we just like so we just had that out. And to be fair, now we've been open for a bit. I tend not to meet everybody, but we were there to meet everybody that came that weekend and just showed them around the pods and the hot tubs and just made sure that they knew that they could contact us at any time if anything wasn't right um because it's really about establishing your reviews as well and so we're really keen to make sure that everything was right and if anyone had an issue rather than going away feeling like it hadn't been dealt with they needed to feel like they could you know come to us and ask questions whatever. have you had any emergencies pop up no, we've had a couple of, um, we had like a weekend where we had intermittent power cuts and they were just tiny, but they were enough to switch off the water heaters and the pods. So you just have to tell people how to switch them back on. So that's really all we've, that's really all we've had. Um, so yeah, no touch wood, no drama so far. <laughs> and how are you finding <laughs> daily life as a glamping site owner? Yeah, it's good. It's busy. Um, so we have no structure to our bookings apart from we have a two night minimum in our normal pods and a three night minimum in the hot tub pods. So we don't have checking in our out days or so for the future, we're going to consider more of a structure so that you can plan your day or your week a bit better. But I you've got to weigh that up with the fact that people like being able to pick and choose when they come. So, um, yeah, because sometimes it's just a bit, some days it's bedlam, some days it's like you've got four changeovers to do and, you know, for as much as you ask people to check out at 10 o'clock, that doesn't always happen. So, um, and then some days, like just now, I've got a full site booking. So I've got four days where I'm basically just not on site because I don't need to be there. So don't get me wrong it's quite nice but maybe the maybe we need to do something to structure it a bit better so my time can be used yeah I imagine that's quite a common thing when when people set up you know they, they take the time to get the feet under the table and figure out how they actually want to operate because obviously some yeah. people you know want to be involved day to day all the time whereas yeah. like Callum and Ali with MC 500 pods they you know obviously they want involvement but from afar so they can focus on glamour yeah. tech so I imagine yeah. you know you, you figure figure out that balance as you get going um, which is your which was as you're doing now um what would you say the best part of being a, a site owner is uh reviews our reviews are ace and it's like you just get like a little buzz every time you read one um so yeah that definitely uh, all those days of being knee high and mud try to build the bothy and put the paths in and all that kind of stuff it, like our reviews have been really good and um yeah so that makes that makes it all worthwhile and a lot of people have rebooked to come back before they've left so that's also you know that reinforces the fact that we're doing something right for the people that are coming so. yeah that's great and obviously they serve as a marketing tool as well because i've seen you share positive reviews and obviously that's that's good social yeah. media content to post as yeah. well yeah 
Yeah. And, and what would you say is the worst part of being a glamping star owner? I have, I, I'm hoping this might get better in the winter, but I've been really bad at doing like my paperwork and my accounting and mm-hmm. my bookkeeping just because, so I'm now, I can be outside all day, every day, if that's what I want to do when the weather's nice and it, I'm not very good at sitting in the office now if, if I don't need to be. So that's probably, and I wasn't like, I was always like super, super organized in my previous life. So I feel like I've kind of, I've kind of taken to the outdoor life and I'm not very keen about going back inside, but maybe once the weather changes, that'll get better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I know uh, last time we spoke, you were saying you're planning on implementing a, a no dog policy, which is obviously interesting because yeah. some people might want to take the dogs glamping, but you had your reasons, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you, have you found that's had, um, you know, any effect on, on bookings, would you say? And, and how, how, how guests see that? Yeah. I mean, I would say like it, really really does affect your bookings I'd say every day so even though the top line on our website (laughs) is exclusively for adults and pet free every day I get emails and phone calls about bringing children and pets so um I have no doubt that we could be I mean we're pretty full anyway our occupancy is sitting about 80 85 percent so and because we don't have a structure that's quite good because we always end up with odd days in the system (laughs) Um, but if we were allowing children and pets, like we would, I'm sure we would be way more booked for like further in the future, mm-hmm. but it's also our greatest asset for the people who want to come back to a site. So there's a smaller number of people who want adults only and pet free, but once you find those people, then they're the people who are repeat booking because what they want to be able to do is come and sit in ultimate peace and quiet and you can't do that with kids and barking dogs so that's it's actually our biggest selling point once we get people here but it's just you've got to it's very niche so you've got to find those people in the first place yeah absolutely i completely agree um not every glamping site can be the same and you certainly don't want to be catering to absolutely everyone because then you'll cater to no one um and i think you know you read it in quite a lot of business books about how you want to have a sort of core tribe of people who will always sing your praise and ho- always use your services. And obviously that's, that's yeah. the, the sort of tribe that you're building now who, who are looking for a specific site, uh, i.e. no dogs yeah. and no kids, and they'll come yeah. back again and again and again. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, th- I think it's important that people remember you don't have to please everyone and you can find that niche and, and, and yeah. you'll, you sort of have a, have a loyal, loyal following as well. Yeah. It is hard at the start though. It's hard when you just, when you open and you just really want bookings, mm. it's hard to turn down all that business, but they will find you. If you've got a niche, you know, if you've got your USP, people will find, they will find you. And that's where your repeat business comes from. And like, we're very uh, into promoting wellness and connecting with nature and walking and all that, you know, good outdoorsy stuff. Um, and I think once we get into that group of people, once we start circulating in there, then, you know, it's it's going to be all right. But yeah, it is hard to say no to people when you're just starting out and you you want as many bookings as you can get. Yeah, and obviously, you know, 80 to 85 percent occupancy so far is absolutely amazing for a new site. And you yeah. know, you'd expect it to, to dip during the winter months. But the, um, Bob O'Connor, who I interviewed, uh, I think episode 10, maybe. Uh, he's like a, a holiday and retail sort of guru and he's got so much experience in set, setting up, um, you know, glamping sites and leisure sites. 
And he said, you don't want to be aiming for 100% occupancy because you need time to, to breathe and to assess how the site, you know, might need to change or how you might improve it. So, you know, I, I don't think 100% occupancy should be necessarily something you're aiming for. Maybe, you know, 95% might be perfect, but... I, I totally agree because actually when you do have like just little problems like nothing major like maybe I, I don't know a broken shelf in a fridge or whatever actually if that pod's 100% occupied it's really difficult to get that fixed whereas I, I manage our bookings so that so for this group booking that leave on Thursday or whatever day they leave I close out Friday in two of the pods so that I know that I'm not going to have four changeovers to do in that day or I'm not going to have two hot tubs so I might close out one hot tub and one of our normal pods so that I know that I'm just changing out a hot tub and a normal and then yes it gives you time to breathe and you know that you're not going to be overwhelmed but also you don't know what state people are leaving pods in so I can do four changeovers in a day if if I'm confident I know who's leaving and what state those pods are going to be in but if I had four pods to do in a day and there'd been a group who I had no idea who they were and they left every single one in a tip, mm. then I would really struggle. And it's all about protecting our ratings, protecting the quality of what we do and making sure that every guest goes away happy and feeling, you know, that they've not they've not had a, a experience they wouldn't want to repeat. repeat. So You mentioned hot tubs there. Have you found the sort of... Um... Oh, admin's not the word but you know you, yeah, they, they come with a, a bit yeah. yeah the maintenance that's what they come with a bit of work don't they have you found that yeah it is a lot of work so mm. there is no doubt that they sell and there's no doubt that we've had a lot of bookings in our normal pods because people really wanted a hot tub pod and couldn't get one so they've booked a normal pod to try us out for the weekend and then you know they'll maybe come back and have a, a hot tub next time um they are an incredible amount of work. So we obviously, uh, between each set of guests, drain them, clean them, clean the filters and refill them and reheat them. So there's a huge amount of actual electrical energy. There's a huge amount of water and there's a huge amount of time. So, but they do sell. So you've got to make your decision there about what you want to do. So yeah, I think it's a common theme with this already how, not every decision you make is either 100% good or 100% bad with a glamping site. You know, hot tubs, they do sell and you can charge a higher rate for them. But obviously yeah. there's a lot of work that goes into it. And then, as you mentioned earlier, you know, the no dogs, no kids policy, it means you have to turn away a lot, a lot, of, um, a lot of bookings and people yeah. uh, will always ask you if you take dogs or kids, even though it says it at the top of the site. You know, I think <laughs> uh, Callum and Ali's site, NC500 pods, they, they, they're frustrated, you know, when they say, fully booked up but then they'll get still like ridiculous amounts of emails um but obviously you know it it finds that niche and it um you know encourages repeat booking so there's never really a truly good or bad decision uh when you're making these kind of decisions you know it's it's, no and and something like hot tubs aren't forever do you know what i mean so we've got two hot tubs just now but maybe in three or four years time maybe we'll go actually we don't need maybe we're so busy we don't need to to have those hot tubs maybe we've got enough business without them but i think they are always going to be an advantage to have and maybe so if we we've got planning permission for eight pods so i think it's unlikely that we'd put eight in but we'll definitely go to six so by the time we get to six 
I definitely need help. So we need to work out what that help's going to be and in what format that help's going to be. And if someone else can do the hot tubs, then, you know, then they become less work for me <laughs> and I'm paying someone else to help then you know maybe they're not so bad but fundamentally they do still because we try and be sustainable and we do use a lot of electricity from from the turbine but the reality is they use a lot of water and a lot of electricity so they aren't that environmentally friendly but you've got to balance everything to make your business work and yeah. give your guests what they want at the end of the day yeah okay and obviously it sounds like you've you've been really successful so far um and it sounds like you've done a lot of things right in the setup process but is there anything that you wish you'd done differently whilst you're setting up your site um there's a couple of really like a couple of really little things about like outside water taps like i wish they were in just a slightly different like a slightly different place um and i'm not sure so our lighting um I'm not sure if our lighting is going to be good enough for the winter. I think if we might need to to do something just to improve that a little, because it's fine when people are arriving at six or seven o'clock at night at this time of year, but actually if you're arriving in a completely new location in the pitch dark of, you know, November or December, then I feel like maybe people will need a bit more, a bit more help maybe with the lighting, but um, I don't know. It's difficult people can always bring head torches and torches and everyone's got a torch on their phone so um and again just something else we're gonna have to see i think you have to give yourself uh, a full year and see how all your seasons seasons work mm. and see see what's good and what's bad and then kind of take it from there but i don't think there's anything there's nothing major really there's nothing nothing that really yeah. bothers me again that's what it's one of those things that you have to figure out as you go along and as long as you, you don't make a glaring error and overlook something yeah. massive then there's, there's no harm in having to spend a little bit of extra money to, to just make it better um as you find yeah. out along the way mm -hmm. um so obviously it was over six months since we last spoke um yeah and back then i think i asked you what your number one piece of advice would be to a prospective site owner um, mm -hmm. And, you know, we we're gre very grateful for the fact that you said find an expert like Glamour Tech for planning permission. And you also yeah. said, um, you know, just go for it because life's too short. Uh, yeah. So I was wondering now that you are a site owner and that you've got a bit of experience mm -hmm. in running a site, has your perspective changed at all? Uh, and, and has that advice changed at all? Um, I don't think so. Because um, I, like I said last time, I, I think if we hadn't used Glamour Tech to get our planning permission, we wouldn't have got it or we'd still have been trying to get it. So I feel like it's your quickest, most efficient way of getting your planning permission. And we got our planning permission in June last year. And it, I know COVID was a thing, but we got our planning permission on the 4th of June and we still didn't manage to get open until the end of May, you know, the next year. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that getting your planning permission as quickly as possible so you can get started is, is definitely the way to go um as for the the build and everything i mean we just did it the way that suited us best and that's going to be different for for everybody to, to you know determine by what skills you have available to you and you know what equipment you have we were lucky we were on the farm so we had a forklift and a driver and you know all that kind of stuff um and a bit i guess as well the not opening until you're ready i know you can't be perfect for your opening but I feel like you need to be comfortable that you've got everything pretty much the way you want it 
because the last thing you want is a bad review when you start because then you're trying to push that snowball uphill trying to get good reviews and once there's a bad one out there it's difficult to get rid of it we're at the stage now where we're i think we've still only got 16 google reviews but actually even if we, so if we've got a bad one now it's still relatively diluted amongst the 15 others so i can't wait till we get to the stage where we have like loads of reviews and then if we get a bad one because you can't can't take them away yeah i'm so. sure i'm sure no matter how good your site is i'm sure the savoy has got plenty of bad reviews i wouldn't i wouldn't worry about yeah. the other one but <laughs> yeah. yeah as you say when you when you're really trying to get your business off the ground in the early stages it is important that you get the positive ones in early yeah, yeah. um and if anyone wants to stay at your pods how would they get in touch with you uh yes so we've got um you can book online at www.braveuglamping.com um, we're on Instagram and Facebook. Just search for at Brave You. Right, and we'll put those um, links in, in the description of this episode. Well, thanks uh, thanks again for coming on, Mareg. Uh, really appreciate it. I'm really glad that it's going well for you. Um, and best of luck for the future. That's great. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Glamper Tech Podcast. I hope you enjoyed and that you found value in today's episode. If you did, feel free to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts as it really helps us move up the podcast rankings. Thank you.